Thank you. I'm so honored to be here, and I'm really honored every time Pastor Randy gives me this opportunity. I don't take it lightly. It's been a minute since I've been in here, and it's been a minute since I've seen a lot of you. Every Sunday in the last little bit, I've been not only in kids' ministry, but I've been upstairs with our first through fifth grade. So um, a lot's happened in our life since um, the last time I saw you. This has nothing to do with anything I'm telling you. I just want I'm just so happy. I just want to share this. You're, our, you're my family. You're my church family. So just this last month, our oldest um, got engaged. I want to show you a picture of that because I'm so excited. He got engaged. I know. At the, at the Rose Garden at Mississippi State. You know, the school that beat A&M last weekend? Yeah. But that game yesterday, like... That was amazing. Like, I'm like, okay, this is, this was, I was just so excited because nobody really likes Bama, right? So I was so excited about that. But anyway, so I, in, in thinking and praying about what I was going to talk to you about today, um, a little situation, you can take them down because they're so cute. Everybody's going to be like, oh, they're getting married in August. I'm like, y'all can wait just a little bit longer if you want to, but they, they've got it set. So anyway, um, in prepping for this, I, I want to tell you a little bit about my nephew. I have, he is, first of all, he is the funniest and smartest kid I know. And you can say, well, you're saying that because he's your nephew. No. Phil and I have 15 nieces and nephews and 25 great nieces and nephews, and I love them all, but we don't give them adjectives like smart and funny all the time, right? So he is so funny to the point that when he was really, really little, they, they went to Florida and they went into some place where you can get souvenirs and stuff. And they had those Texas cinnamon rolls. And my nieces and nephews call me Fanta. It's funny, Amber. And um, he, he said, mom, did Fanta make this? Because it said Texas on it. And she's like, well, let's send her a video and ask her. And he's like, Fanta, did you make this? And I'm like, Yes, I did. No. Um, so funny. He's super quick-witted. He would get in trouble all the time because he asks questions that you're not supposed to ask. And he's just hysterical. When they live in Ohio, so it's an hour later there. And they get up, these kids get up at like 6.30 in the morning, like ready to go. Well, his mom was in the kitchen making coffee one time. And so it's 5.30 our time and my phone rings. It's FaceTime. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, why are they FaceTiming me at 5.30 in the morning? Something must have happened. And I, I, turn, I turn it on, and he goes, why is it dark? What are you doing? I'm like, oh. <laughs> I said, I'm sleeping. It's time for breakfast. Why are you in bed? And I'm like, oh my gosh, give your mom back her phone. And he's just a funny kid. So I tell you, there's been a million and one funny Miles stories, um, not all that are church appropriate for me to share. Um, it's not good when he gets in trouble and I'm around because I think he's so funny and I laugh and he sees me laughing and he's like, yeah, I've got an audience. I'm like, you got me, kid. You got me. So last week, he gets into the car at the car rider line and he's got this smile from ear to ear and he said, I got a note today. And his mom said, well, what did it say? And he goes, you can read it if you want to. He passes up this note. And um, <laughs> you got to see it. I've got the note. She sent me a screenshot of it. Let me tell you what it says in case you can't read it. It says, dear Miles, I love how she didn't know if there was a Y or an I, so she just gave both. She's like, we're going to go with all of it. We're going to figure it out. Dear Miles... 
Thank you for being my friend. But I think you're more than just a friend. I feel like I'm a girlfriend to you, and you're my boyfriend. I'm going to tell you something, moms and dads, girls are a lot faster than they used to be. I'm going to tell you. (laughs) Please let me know if you feel that way, because I do, and I have love in my heart for you. Oh, this is a good one. I feel like I'm safe next to you and you can protect me. He's in third grade. Come on. (laughs) And I don't care if you're in third grade because family is just about love. Please just tell me if you like me, I won't get mad. It's like, Miles, it's a trap. Run. So I called his dad, and his dad is just hysterical. And I'm like, Matt, what is up with these? He's like, we are not ready for love notes. I'm like, well, they're coming. (laughs) He makes her feel safe. (laughs) And Matt got tickled. He said, listen, Miles is all things, but not a protector. (laughs) His little brother will tackle you and take you out and then hug it out, right? Miles will cry. Miles is a, he's a feeler. He, He cries. He said, she feels, who helped her write this letter? I said, she watches too much like Nicholas Spark movies or something. I don't know. And he said, here's the catch, Amber. She's in fifth grade. Okay, having worked with kids for a lot of years, I'm like, dude, you got to put, you got to put a stop to that right now. Either something's not right with her. Or she's got home life issues, whatever, but she's relying on Miles to protect her. You need to get involved in this, right? And so I I said, can I talk to Miles? So I just, look, I have a little video for y'all. I did a little interview with Miles. We had to edit a lot of it out because it was like, dear Lord. He was all over the place. He fell in the parking lot or in the, and he had a bloody knee. He put the bloody knee up against the camera. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I see it. That's great. Here's Miles. Check this out. How are you, Miles? Good. 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 Is school going good? Mm-hmm. Guess what grade I'm in? Um, 12th. Third. Third grade. Oh my goodness. Oh my god. I, I do. I'm like I'm real I'm really good at math. I know, already know square roots. That's that's a big deal. Can we talk about something? Yeah. Okay, so already told me she <laughs> good. She already told you. So you got you got a love letter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell tell me about that. How, what's this girl's name? What's this girl's name? Um, Peggy. Peggy, like that's her real name. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's okay. And she gave you this letter. And in the letter, she said that you make her feel safe. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's 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 a pretty amazing. She's already in fifth grade. She's in fifth grade. You know what we call that here? What? She's a cougar. She likes younger men. Oh. Oh, there's your term. Don't tell her that though. Don't go to school and call her that. That's probably not nice. Okay, so tell me what you thought when you got this love letter. Is that what you call it? Are you calling it a love letter? What are you calling I it? I just call it a letter, but it's like, it feels nice. 
It feels nice. You make her feel safe. Why do you think she said that? Well, we've kind of been hanging out for like a month or so. So um, she's kind of got used to me. So now that's why I think she said that. Okay. So she, you guys have been hanging out for a month or so. Yeah. You've always been, you're friends with everybody though, aren't you? Mm, yeah. Yeah. You Do you talk to everybody? Yeah, I'm really talkative, so. Oh, I'm sure you are. Okay, so tell me, tell me a little bit about this, because I, when your dad and mom, when I saw the letter, when I heard about the letter, I was like, wow. Okay, Miles, who's got girls writing him love letters? Is this your first love letter? Yes. Yes. Do you I think you'll get two of them from her? Mm-hmm. Did you tell her, calm down, stop writing me letters, or were you like, keep it coming, keep it coming? Mm, I didn't really care. Okay. All right. Your dad told me that you talk to everybody, that you're nice to everybody, that you say hi to everybody. Is that true? Yeah. I'm like a greeter to everybody. You're a greeter to everybody. So you, it doesn't matter who they are. You're just kind to everybody. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's important? Yeah. What if they're like mean? Should you still be nice to them? Mm -hmm. Why? Because, well, even though they're mean, there's, it's, it's still nice to do. It's not going to be like, oh, you're going to be thinking about that for 20 years being like, I shouldn't have done that because you might, so that, that bully might change his heart and become a nice person. That bully might change his heart. So when we're good to people, it changes who they are. Mm -hmm. That's a good, that's a good way to look at it like do you think that's what Jesus asks us to do mm-hmm. yeah all right so um let me ask you this did you tell this girl that you're not going to be her boyfriend but you'll just be her friend yeah I told her like two days ago yeah how'd she take that mm, she didn't really mind oh um but we're going to focus on being Peggy's friend right mm-hmm. yeah that's good okay well I love you Miles I love you too, too. Hey, keep making people feel safe, okay? Okay. Okay. (laughs) I know. He's the cutest. Let me tell you, though, why he didn't care and why she didn't care, because they're still writing notes, okay? And at the very end, I said, Miles, because he talked to me about square roots again. Don't you love when people know things you don't and they want to keep it? Like, he's like, do you remember square roots? I'm like, I don't remember them. He's like, well, I do. And I'm like, well, good for you, Miles. Focus on square roots and not Peggy. And here's what he said. He goes, well, I think I've got enough energy to focus on both. (laughs) Oh, Peggy, Peggy. I was like, okay. Anyway, so what I got away, what I took away from that, there's a lot I took away from that yesterday. But what I really got was the whole safe thing. For a fifth grade girl, regardless of why and what, caused her to write to my little third grade nephew that he made her feel safe. It made me think about the fact that it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, how many guns you have and how good you are at shooting them. All of us have been in a situation before where we haven't felt safe and we don't like that feeling. You may even be the kind of person that likes watching scary movies or going to those haunted houses, but in the back of your knower, you know that they are actors that you're really safe. We don't like being in situations where we are not safe. 
So in, in prepping for this, I want to take us to a story in the Old Testament that's in between two really significant stories that we all may or may not have heard about. The first one was where Moses struck the rock and water came forth. Everybody was thirsty. He provided. God provided through Moses. And then the story of him standing on the mountain with Aaron and her holding up his arms. We're going to land right in between that, and we're going to look at Exodus chapter 17. In verses 8 and 9, it says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Raphidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Deuteronomy 25, it tells us a lot about, we learn about the Amalekites. What history shows us is this, that they're like an evil gang that hides out in the desert. And they lived there, they, they fought there, they, they stole there, they attacked, they would raid groups that were passing through the desert. But their method was as evil as they were because they didn't just attack they waited for groups to pass by, and they would hit them from behind. Why is that significant? Well, it's not rocket science. Let's think about that for a second. If you're walking through a desert, if we're in a group, all of us are going. We're all together, right? We're walking through the desert. Who's going to be on the backside besides me? <laughs> I don't want to be walking through the desert. Who's going to be back there? The weak, the tired, the elderly. The broken, the defeated, the children, the sick. And so basically what we see is the Amalekites, they, they took cheap shots. They hit the people on the backside. They hit the ones that were vulnerable. They hit the people who were not protected. And everybody else is just moving along through the desert on their way to where they think they're supposed to go. Now, what does this have to do with you and I? Everything, I'm glad you asked. I want you to understand this. The enemy does not, will not ever play fair. If you think in your life as a follower of Jesus that there's going to be a season where the enemy's like, okay, cool, let's play fair. He doesn't. He's never going to play fair. And as a matter of fact, the more you're going after God, the more cheap shots he's going to take. He's going to attack your family. He's going to attack your marriage. He's going to attack your children. He's going to attack your finances. He's going to attack your friendships. He's going to attack your church. He's going to attack your government. He is going to attack, and he doesn't relent. And if you don't like that, I don't know how to make you feel better. You just need to know it's true. The enemy doesn't play fair. It's horrible how he does it. But God does judge him, and, in, and we see in Deuteronomy 25, Verses 17 and 18, it says, God's telling Moses and Aaron, he says, remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you came out of Egypt. How he attacked you on the way when you were faint and weary, he cut off your tail. Those who were lagging behind you, he did not fear God. He says to them, do not forget. Hey, remember, don't forget what the Amalekites did. Don't forget. Don't let that pass your brain. Remember what they did. And he goes on to say, they will be judged. I will blot them out. I have your back. You need to understand that. And they learn from this. They learn from this down the road because in 
Numbers chapter 2, God tells Moses and Aaron, here's what you're going to do. You're going to send everybody out, but you're going to take your weak. You're going to take your sick. You're going to take your tired. You're going to take your broken. You're going to take your elderly. You're going to take your children, and you're going to put them in the middle. And then I want you to take the tribe of Dan and let them come at the very back. The tribe of Dan was the second largest tribe to Judah. They were fierce warriors. They didn't always do everything right. History talks about that. But God said, put Dan at the back. Remember what the Amalekites did. So God gives them a picture of, listen, and here's what I want you guys to get. We think as believers that that means, okay, I'm following Jesus, so now everything's going to be great. Wrong. It means as you follow Jesus, he's with you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to get you through. But my friend, we would be lying to you if we told you that we don't go through things. But God says, hey, when you go through, because you're going to go through, when you go through, who's behind? Put them where they can be safe. Take care of the people who need your help. Step up for the people. This one day to feed the world, that's not just a feel-good thing. If we all got together and we took care of people who couldn't take care of themselves. And do not confuse government politics with the biblical commandments. Don't confuse it. Well, they should be. Really? When were you elected judge? How about you take care of God's people? God will take care of you. You do what God asks you to do, God will take care of you. You can't question people's motives. Now, we have the Holy Spirit, so be led by the Holy Spirit. You don't just walk around going, make it a rain. God is good, you know. You do what the Lord asks you to do and trust him with the results. Well, God told me to give that guy $20. I think he's a crackhead. Okay, so you're going to follow him? What are you going to do? What's he going to do with that $20? I think the bigger question is, you were obedient to God. Can you trust God in that? So, he says, watch out. Put them in the back. And I want them to bring up the rear. I want them to bring up the caboose. That's a visual that I can get because I've taken so many missions trips with teenagers. And going through international airports with a bunch of kids who are just all wearing matching t-shirts. You want to know why we do that? So you don't lose them. It's not because we're like, we're a force to be reckoned with. We match. No, it's like, my parents aren't here. And I'm like, whoa, 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 come back. Look for the people in the neon green. They're with us. Okay. So we always have somebody on a team that is the caboose, that is bringing up the rear, that would follow and make sure we weren't losing kids in stores and places along the way. So God said, here's what I want you to do. There's this podcast I was listening to, and I don't even remember the guy's name that said this, but here's what he said. He said, if you ever see a community of God's people, you can tell how obedient they are by where you find the weak and the marginalized. If you find the weak and the marginalized in the margins, you know they have bought into the narrative of empire. But if you find the weak and the marginalized in the center with wagons circled around as part of the family being protected and cared for, you know you are dealing with the narrative of Jesus. And I was like, wow. Wow. It wasn't like, well, where does Lone Star Cowboy Church fit on this? It was, Amber, where do you fit? Because you're part of the body of Christ. 
You have a responsibility, not because you're a pastor, but because you follow Jesus. Friend, I'm telling you, if you follow Jesus, this question could be asked of you. Where are you putting the people who need the most in your life? Where are they? I I really had to do some self-evaluating. I was talking to Phil about it. He reminded me about when we were at Home Depot. And this lady walking with a cane wasn't moving very fast. And I was frustrated trying to get around her. It's like, Phil, you didn't have to remind me of that. I know that I'm a mess. I know. But why? We're justified because we're in a hurry. We're in a hurry. We're in a hurry. We got to learn to slow down, y'all. Not just in where we're going, but in everything we're doing. We're so busy trying to get to the promised land, to the next thing. We forget the ministry and the lives that we're called to impact along the way. There's people in our lives right now that God has put there. And we need to look at how we can protect them. So I've got a few thoughts. First thought for you is this. Every community has hurting, tired, and broken people. And every one of us has been that person. You can say, not me. Yeah, you have. You probably just don't know it. You're probably that right now, and you're just, We've all been that person. And if you don't know people in your community who are hurting or struggling, then, my friend, you're not part of a community. You're part of a club and not a family. If this hurts your feelings, I'm going to sleep just fine tonight. If you roll up into this church every Sunday... And you don't know people around you. And you don't know what's going on in their life. And this is just where you come to worship. It's not about the family that God's given you. This is a club to you and not a family. But when you look at the, the way that God designed it, we, everything he does is communal. It's all about community. It's all about having people you do life with. It's all about when you turn to somebody and they say, how are you? You don't just give the Christian answer, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. You know what? I'm having a hard day. Pastor Randy just said, I'm happy. I've been happier. Like, let's be real. Let's be honest. Let's not be afraid to let people into our lives. Because admitting that we're going through does not make us weak. It makes us strong. Admitting that there's struggles, admitting that there's shortcomings, admitting that there's things that we're afraid of, that we're tired, that we're broken, that somebody hurt us, that we're waiting on God, that is not failure. Pretending like that stuff doesn't exist puts you at the back of the pack. Well, I don't need people to take care of me. The Bible says it's not good for us to be alone. We need each other. We need people to step in and have our back and go, you know what? Sit down here. Let me get you a cup of tea. You want a donut? How about two? Do you need to talk? Can I take you to lunch? Can I take your kids so you can take a nap? Simple things. Every community has hurting, tired, and broken people. And every one of us has been that person. Number two. The church should be the safest place in the world. And when I say church, I'm not talking about this building we're sitting in. I'm talking about us. We should be the safest place. When people roll into your house, when they sit down with you at dinner, when they're to you, they, you should be a safe place. Judgment and criticism shouldn't be what they feel from you. They should feel somebody that says, look, without Jesus, I would be broken, but he has saved me. I know he can save you, and you're not by yourself. 
we should be the safest place. I looked up some statistics. Last year, Barna found that the share of practicing Christians has dropped nearly in half since 2000. Nearly in half. Gallup released a report that the U.S. church membership fell below 50% for the first time in eight decades. Lifeway Research Survey says a majority, 66% of Americans aged 23 to 30, said they stopped attending church on a regular basis at the age of 18. Among their top reasons was that church members seemed divisive, judgmental, or hypocritical. I'm going to tell you a story. It doesn't matter the name of the church. It's not this one, so don't worry. Doesn't matter where it is. Doesn't matter the names. If the point is, it happened. A young lady who fell madly in love with Jesus and fell in love with her church, and she decided to work for this church. And, you know, church is run by people, right? Nobody's perfect. So she starts to work for this church. And this is a big church. And there was a lady that came to the church, and she needed help. She needed medicine for her child, for her son. And that medicine was like three or $400. And the church told her, we've already helped you this year. We're not going to help you again. But here was the catch. I understand you can't help everybody. Like, you can't just, I, I understand that. But this is what got to this young lady. The church could not help this mom in getting this medicine. But they spent somewhere between thirty dollars and $40,000 during COVID to repaint the interior and exterior of the church. Yeah. That baby boy died because he didn't get his medicine. And I sat on a phone call talking about this with this young lady and with other people involved. And they were angry at God and they were angry at the church. And y'all rightfully so. Rightfully so for a young person to go, I don't understand because you're supposed to be safe. This is supposed to be a place where we take care of people and you cared about paint and now this baby is dead. And there was a lot of things that led up to this and it doesn't matter where the church is at. It doesn't matter who the people are. It matters that it happened and it matters, y'all, that every single one of us are taken back by that. But how many things similar have we played into? Have we gotten so caught up? I mean, this is not about I want to beat you up. This is no. Let's like, let's take a look at ourselves. How many times do we get so comfortable doing what we do? We forget that maybe the Lord wants to use me right now to do something for somebody else. This is not about giving all your money to the poor. Do you understand? People want to say, well, I do that. I'll give to one, one day to feed the world if you'll shut up. That's not what this is about. This isn't just about people who are poor. There are people who have more money than they have sins, but they're hurting. And they need to be able to have a place of rest. There are people who have lost loved ones during this tragic time of COVID that they need a place to be able to grieve and process and a safe place to be able to feel. And God has called us, whether you're a feeler or not, if you're a follower of Jesus, he's called us to be that safe place. People are leaving churches by the masses. And I think instead of questioning, why are they leaving? The better question is, what part do I play in that? And how can I make a difference? What can I do different? 
okay, people leaving churches, there are people also walking away from Christ because the representation they've had of Jesus has not been one that lines up with who Jesus is. And you can say, well, that's on them. I get it. I agree. We stand before God for us. But my friend, we stand before God on our actions and reactions too. We stand before God on our testimony too. We stand before God on how we carry ourselves on this earth and we don't get to just suck air. And salvation is not just for us because if it was, we would be gone. But we're Christians and we're here. So there's a purpose in why we're here. What are we doing to make people feel safe in the kingdom of God? Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. This is not about being safe in your sin. Are you following me? I'm not saying, well, they're, they're a hot mess. Just make them feel safe. No. You bring them in and you love them through things. You teach them the truth about the word of God. Feed them. Love on them. This is not about, well, you want to live that lifestyle. Okay. No, it's about, you know what? I love you too much for you to feel like there's a world judging you. I'm here to love you. Every single one of you, if you think about it, we all were teenagers one time. When you knew you were doing something wrong and somebody told you everything you were doing wrong, were you like, oh, wow, I had no idea. Thank you for telling me. But if someone looked at you and they told you, you're better than this, and let me tell you why, and they begin to speak the truth about who you were and who God created you to be, all of a sudden, the junk you were in, you're like, man, I, I am better than this. I am above this. I do have more to offer. We've got to learn to be the cheerleaders of a world. You can't save them. You can't fix them. But if you love them, the one that saved you can save them. It's not complicated. It's really not. Number three, as followers of Jesus, we cannot live the every man for himself philosophy. Can't afford to. You go back to verse nine. It says, so Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go and fight with Amalek. Now in the Hebrew, it says the same thing, but kind of different. Broken down, it actually reads, choose men who will fight for us with Amalek, not choose for us men and go. It says choose for us men who will fight with us. That's so important because when it comes to God and his character, like I already said, it's always been about community. It's always been communal. It's always been let's do this together. He says don't find me men who will fight. Find me men who will fight with us. We've all seen movies. Something crazy happens. It's every man for himself. They're all running. My son, when he was in high school, loved, it was the dumbest show. If that, you like it, I'm sorry. He loved, what's that zombie? Walking Dead. And I'm like, why are you watching this? He's like, you know what's going to happen? I'm like, yes, yeah, the same thing that probably happens every time zombies come. Like, oh. But when they would like get into an area and like all of a sudden a door would open and all these zombies would come out, people would like lose their mind and they would just like run in circles and like just run. And there was nobody grabbing the kids or grabbing the women. It was just like run and everybody just ran and it was chaos. And the reality is you go, that's so dumb. But y'all, we do the same thing. You can say, well, we haven't been at war. We're at war right now. Our country is a hot mess right now. And outside of this building, 
out in that world, you got the world telling your kids, telling your people what you have to do, how to do it, what you should believe, what you shouldn't believe. And nine times out of ten, it doesn't even involve Jesus. We're at war. And it's like every man for himself. And we're hoping that our kids don't buy into it. Well, then step up and pastor your kids. We're hoping that our neighbors don't buy into it. Then have your neighbors over for dinner. Get involved. Be a safe place of truth for people. I have a really, 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 one of my dearest friends in the wide world. Her and her husband. We have another friend that's really close with her husband. And this guy is salt of the earth. He has fought for this country. He's been very successful in business. He's helped a lot of people to give you the shirt off his back. Right now, he is going through a lot of stuff. It's not a financial thing. It's not drugs and alcohol. He's just struggling. And what they did, they didn't just say, well, we'll pray for you. They realized there was someone who was broken, who was hurting, that needed to have their arms wrapped around him, right? So what did they do? They pulled him in. They said, we're going to help you get help in this. We're going to take care of you. We're actually going to stand with you until all this gets better. You know what? It wasn't always convenient, probably. It didn't always fit the narrative of the schedule in their mind of what life was going to look like. But they knew that who this man was and who God called this man to be, there was hurt and brokenness. And so you know what? They jumped in. They got in the middle. They recognized that at one point in time, he was at the front of the pack. Are you following me? He was at the front. He was leading. And they look back, and he's lagging behind. And they had one of two options. We could leave him and hope he figures it out. Or we can go back and pick him up and bring him to the middle until he gets his strength. Until he get, works through all this. I need you to understand. Stop limiting it to just people who need money. Stop limiting it to people who you think, oh, well, they're homeless or they're a drug addict or this. There are a lot of people hurting for a lot of things. Right. And a lot, they put on a pretty smile and you don't know. We've got to be willing to say, I know something's not right. And I'm going to sit here with you until you're ready to talk. See, when I was a kid, when somebody died, the elderly women in our church, they would just make casseroles and just come sit at your house. Why are they here? They're just sitting. Do they want to clean my room? Like, why are they here? But that's what they did because they knew. I don't know that I have anything that I can say that's going to fix it, but I want you to know that you're not by yourself. Y'all, you can't fix people, but you sure can love them. Miles, (laughs) Miles, <laughs> he wasn't protecting that girl. Peggy, <laughs> he's not protecting Peggy, but you know what? In the conversation with Miles, Miles said, I sat with her every morning at breakfast. I sat with her every day at lunch. I waved her in the hallway. Who knows what's going on in Peggy's life, but you know what? Miles accepts her. And sometimes us accepting and loving people is the safest thing we can do. I want to tell you, several years ago, um, I was coughing. This is pre-COVID, you know, where you could cough and people not think you're dying. (laughs) I was coughing.
coughing, and every time I'd cough, Phil would do this, and y'all, we all do it, that you're irritating me, but I don't want you to know you're irritating me, so I'm going to make a grunt noise and flop in the bed to make you think you probably should get up and leave. So I'm (laughs) coughing, and he's all, and I'm like, okay, I get it. And instead of going upstairs and waking up my kids, I thought, well, I'm just going to go sleep on the couch. So I get up, and I move to the couch. Well, now I'm awake. So I just, I turn on the TV, and the last thing that was on was Animal Planet. I know nothing about animals. Here I am, 3 o'clock in the morning, watching this thing on Animal Planet by myself, hacking up a lung. And all of a sudden, I'm completely intrigued with what I'm seeing. There's this... All these wildebeest. Is that what they're called? Wildebeest? Yeah. And there's this big old herd of wildebeest. And the guy talking is Australian, so it makes it even more interesting, right? Don't you love how British and Australian people can talk and make you feel like an idiot? And they may not even be as smart as you, but you're like, that was beautiful. Wow, say that again. (laughs) So he's talking about these wildebeest, and I'm I'm listening like I'm learning something. And the the camera pans out, and here comes these lioness. They're all ready. There's like three or four of them. They're ready to hunt. And these wildebeests begin to run. I saw something I've never seen in my life. They began to circle around the babies. They put the babies in the middle, and they ran in circles forward with the babies in the middle. At this point, I'm now standing up in my living room, hacking up a lung, yelling at the TV, They're more humane than we are. Those wildebeest knew somebody's going to be lunch today. But I'm going to make sure it's somebody who can fight for themselves. You're not going to fall prey to the enemy. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying, well, he's going to get somebody. I say we live our life knowing that he doesn't have authority to get us. And in the meantime, we need to protect the people who can't stand up right now. Maybe you're in here and you're hurting. And nobody knows. Nobody knows what's going on. Maybe even your spouse doesn't know the level of what you're carrying. You don't have to do this by yourself. Maybe you've been sick. Maybe there's things going on in your marriage. Maybe there's stuff going on in your finances. Maybe, maybe there's addictions that you've not ever talked to anyone about. Maybe it is financial. Maybe you're just broken. Or the scary place, and we've been there, you're numb. You don't know why you feel the way you do. You don't know what caused it. You don't know when it started. You don't know when it's going to end. You're just numb. I want you to look at me. I want you to hear what I'm saying. You're not by yourself. And if you feel like no one's got your back, this crazy, curly head, full of herself person, (laughs) talk to me. Actually, I know a lot of people around here. Find somebody. You don't have to do this by yourself. What if I never get on my feet? You will. It's hard to heal when you're running on a broken leg. Let us help you. And then on the flip side, look at me. If you've been guilty of not stepping in, of being so busy with your own stuff 
to not be present in the lives of people who need you. Get it together. Stop. Make a friend. Well, I don't even know where to start. Walk up to somebody. Don't run up to anybody. You'll scare them today. Don't just run up. They'll be like, good Lord, I'm not your person. <laughs> Meet somebody before you leave here today. Hey, I've noticed that you've been at this church that for 20 years. Me too. We've never spoken. That's really sad. We should have coffee sometime. And if somebody comes up and says that, don't go, you're only doing that because that lady told you to. Stop. Make friends. Get in each other's business. Get in each other's lives. Make sure that if you're hurting, you find someone that will help you heal so that you can be the man or the woman that God's called you to be. The Amalekites played dirty because they knew if we take out all the weak, all of a sudden when the strong turn and the weak are gone, they're going to be overwhelmed with grief. Then we get to take them out too. Do you understand there's a strategy? In the body of Christ, in case you didn't know, we take care of our own. We're family. This is eternity. Bow your heads with me, please, all across this room. I may not know you. I may not know your story. But here's what I'm 150,000% confident in. You are not a mistake. Whatever you've gone through, whatever you've seen, whatever you've experienced, does not and was never meant to define you. The creator of the universe, the breather of stars, the one that fashioned you together in your mother's womb has a plan and a purpose for your life. And it is not defined by what you have been through. You may be broken. You may be hurting. You may be scared. You may be grieving. You may feel lost. And I want you to know the Bible says that he sees you. He knows your name. So my question to you right now is this. If you're in here right now, and we ask this every week, why? Because it's so important. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, and you know that's something you need to do, I want to pray with you. Please raise your hand. I want to pray with you if there's anybody in here that needs to give their life to Christ this morning. Okay, now I'm going to ask another question. I'm watching. Anybody? Now, if you're in here right now and you know you need to work on, I'm going to throw up both sides so nobody's, you don't feel judged. You need to work on finding safety or being safety. I'm going to ask that you raise your hand because I want to pray with you. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Some of us, man, we're hurting, and some of us, we're so zoned out, we are not paying attention to what's happening around us. Wow, will you stand with me? I want to pray with you. I hope and pray that not one person in here feels judged or condemned. That's not what this is about. This is about, this is a family meeting, right? We had a family meeting. We're going to get some stuff worked out. What do we need to work out? Making sure we feel safe. Making sure we know we can work through some things. If you raised your hand because you need somebody to pray with you, you need somebody to talk to, we're about to have a prayer team up here. Don't leave here without talking to somebody. And if you raised your hand because you're like, you know what, I got, I'm too busy with myself. 
It's time I make time for other people in my life. Find somebody and introduce yourself. We're going to spend a lot of time for eternity together. Let's make it start counting right now. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for every person here, for every person watching online. Jesus, I thank you that we get to be your body, that we get to be your hands and feet to a world who's broken and hurting and lost. Lord, thank you that we get to be your hands and feet to our own people who go through trials and tribulations and addictions and failed marriages and lost jobs and losses of family members, God. Your word says it, that we're going to go through stuff. We know it's not always going to be easy. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you never leave us or forsake us. But God, I pray that we stop just going, well, go talk to Jesus. Help us remember, remind us. Oh, yeah. We're here for a reason. Help us, Lord, to love big, to accept big, to open arms big, hug a world, leading people to you, the one who heals, the one who fixes, the one that restores, the giver of dreams, the giver of hope. Lord, it's not about being apathetic and embracing people as they are. It's about loving people so much that you have more for them. Thank you, Jesus, that every single one of us that knows you, we were on our way straight to hell, and you scooped us up. And when we've gone through things, Lord, you've scooped us up. You've kept taking care of us. Thank you, God. Help us to represent that well. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. In your precious name, amen. Again. Don't leave here without finding somebody. Our prayer team's up here. We love you, family, and we'll see you next week.